And he believed and his whole household in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I mean, we are in this new, new year of, of grace. And every year comes and goes. And uh, we have to, as children of God, ensure that we are growing. We are profiting from the grace that God is handing out to us. And as, as, we, as I look out into the world and come across people more and more, uh, you, you sense uh, like uh, an emptiness in the hearts and minds of so many people. And it's a bit like this, what the Gospel uh, today talks about, this man with leprosy. Leprosy, it's uh, one of those interesting diseases, illnesses, whatever you want, uh, that you can have it for uh, quite a while before you notice it, but then you start to notice that certain parts of your body become numb, and then they become fested. And slowly and slowly, it's like you're a living corpse, almost like a zombie, in the sense that you've got dead members attached to your body. Your body starts to fall away and rotting flesh uh, and I think it's really a good analysis or symbol of the state of so many souls in the world today uh, and more from a, a aspect of atrophy they are you know if you don't use certain muscles um, they become weak over time uh, and that's why often you see uh, and sometimes for a child, it, it might seem almost odd that you say to them, oh, uncle so-and-so needs to learn how to walk again. Well, why is that? He's been walking all of his life. Well, he, after the fall, he's been in bedridden for a few months. His muscles are weak, so he's got to learn to walk again. That's uh, because the muscles had weakened. Well, that's becoming the state of the souls of so many they are a state of spiritual atrophy. Uh, it's almost like they are in a zombified state, walking dead. Uh, so many, we can say, empty lives, wasted lives that we see around us. In many ancient cultures, including our, ours, our religion, there was a very clear belief that there's a very special place in hell reserved for those who lived a wasted life. And our Lord speaks about this in the Gospel. He tells us that man will have to render account for every idle word. But then he speaks to us about the talents, the Gospel of the talents, where those who wasted the talents, wasted the gifts, were punished severely by God for the waste of the talents, the waste of the precious gift of life given to us by God. God is going to ask us not how much money you had, not how much friends you had, not how much how popular you were, how good you looked, uh, not how healthy you were, but what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? Uh, our Lord is going to ask this of us. These are the graces that God has given to us. And we are... We are given so many blessings, family, friends, relatives, the church, the sacraments, so many gifts. Uh, we live in a country where you can, if you want, you can get an education. And it, really, it's not that expensive. You can learn something. 
Uh, you can make something of yourself. Uh, we have a, a land of opportunity. We are blessed in this country in more ways than we can imagine. And what is, what is our response to, to this great gift to us given by God? We, we can often uh, lose sight of the, the picture. And speaking about the picture, I want to use an example which always stuck out in my mind of a well-known photographer. His name was Kevin uh, Carter. Kevin Carter, uh, in 1993, in March, he, he took a, a famous photo which made him very famous worldwide. And that was a photo of, in Sudan of a, of a young boy, a little uh, Sudanese boy, looked like he was maybe age of three or four, uh, in a field. And the, the little boy was crouched over, you might be familiar with this photo, crouched over and looked like he was about to die. And about 20 meters behind him, there was a, a large uh, hawk waiting for the child to die so it could pick him to death and, and eat him. And this picture highlighted the state of, of evil in going on in that country at the time. And he won a number of Nobel or prizes for this photo. And you might think to yourself, why, why did he not come to, to the rescue of this child? Uh, well, he was told that these people have certain diseases, they're contaminated, don't, don't um, come next to them, you might be infected, much like we were, he told here during the COVID time, your neighbour is a disease, uh, keep away from them. And this, this man, Kevin Carter, he saw all this evil. And yes, his photography was successful in as much as it portrayed the evil. Uh, but he was overcome by all that he saw. The evil of war, the evil of famine. And he gave in to depression. And then he eventually gave in to a completely committed suicide. And that's a tragedy uh, of and the danger of... Uh, this reality, we see the evil around us. We can either become numb to it, and that is, we just, well, that's life. Or we can uh, uh, just say, well, I'm hopeless. It's a helpless situation, all is evil. And the danger, and this is the point that I'm trying to get at, is that we can become passive observers in the journey of our own life. Uh, we look at things and we just look. If we are given the opportunity to witness evil. It's so that we can be a light. It's so that we can be the light of Christ in the world. If the world has any good in it today, it's because it is a post-Christian world. Christ and his disciples and the apostles and the saints and uh, the church has sought to be that light in this world of darkness. God has given us a grace and a mission. We cannot remain idle. We cannot be simply passive observers in our life. We will be condemned for precisely that. And I will come to this point of, of how to deal with the evil more particularly in a minute. But it's what Mark Twain says, that there's two pivotal moments in our life. First one is when we are born, and the second one is 
when we realize why we were born why did god put me specifically individually in this world well god has a very specific plan for each and every one of us regardless of how long or short our life is and we have a duty a duty to fulfill that and should we fail in that we will be condemned for precisely that failure and that was the point of our lord in his the parable of the talents given to to the different people and different amounts we all don't have the same strengths and we all don't have the same weaknesses we all have different strengths we'll have different weaknesses and our strengths are our gifts by from god and our weaknesses are also our gifts from god that wants us to overcome that we may glorify him in time and for all eternity but the question is how do we react to that we have one life one soul one eternity our time spent on here on earth is very important and my fear today is that we are uh, slowly uh, being lulled to sleep and you know the danger today with the, the social media is it is and i think the most important aspect of it um, there are many other aspects of it yet that are bad and there are some that are very good but i think the most dangerous aspect of it it is making us dumber and dumber uh, the whole academic world of the internet even in the last 10 or 15 or 20 years that it's been there you see less and less any re real depth of thought out there and and that's just a fact many studies have show going to show that uh, of the academic articles that are put out most recently most of them don't even cite anything from the past it's just in only quoting stuff from the last 10 or 15 years that's the depth of ignorance that we are seeing and that's a danger because we are becoming more and more ignorant more and more uh, foolish and more and more prideful and boastful more and more wicked and the internet should help us all the tools you have your iphone should help us to become wiser better people more equipped to deal with the evil around us to be a greater light in this world of darkness often some people say oh, father you know I don't, I don't use social media it's like as though they they're trying to tell me that i'm virtuous because i don't use social media it's like someone saying to me that they want me to believe that they're virtuous because they don't drink or smoke that's not true it's only virtuous when you love the thing and you give it up as a sacrifice so i i'm not here to, my point is not to praise or condemn the social media my my point is to wake us up from being lulled into not only a false sense of security but also into the reality of mental and spiritual atrophy and that's the state of so many of us today uh, we are like that leper slowly the disease is eating us away and the depth uh, of our souls is becoming more and more empty we live in an age really of uh, hollow men god has called us uh, to achieve great things we first to achieve that must always pause and reflect think god in uh, the old testament in the book of exodus 
reminded the people of Israel. He warned them as he took them from Egypt. He warned them to always look back in order for them to go forward. To look back so that they can see where God was leading them uh, to the future. But also to look back because he's pointed out to them some days they're going to have some, some difficult times. And they're going to be tempted to think that God has abandoned them. Some days they're going to have some great days. And then they're going to be tempted to forget about God. We must pause, remember, reflect and turn to God. And in this, St. Francis de Sales, we must on a daily basis do three things. Three things which we can take on for our New Year's resolution. We must each day ask God to be present with us and to assist us. We must offer him all that we are about to do each day. And then we must accept his will for us in our life. Our life is a journey. And often to assist us in that journey so that we can achieve God's will, God in his wisdom sends us what we don't expect, a curveball a trial, a difficulty, a challenge that can set us back. Uh, and often we react, we respond with, like this man, Kevin Carter, with depression, discouragement. You know, the, the, we play the harp of self-pity. Uh, and then we often, as a consolation, fall into many various sins of sloth and impurity or drunkenness or whatever uh, we overeat in order to console ourselves. Uh, it's our way of uh, self-pity uh, and we become overindulgent uh, and today we live in a society which is uh, overindulgent on every level. Uh, uh, it's like they go from one pleasure to another pleasure and the difficulty then to focus and to work. But God sends us this 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 curveball, even the sadness in our life, in order to break us and remake us into his own image, in order that we can start to actually do his will and not our will. How many people you see, even amongst their own people, they make these plans for their life and almost never once did they consult God on whether this is a good path for them. Never once did they go and ask the priest uh, I remember one person they said to me, Father, you know, I think something is lacking in my life. And I said to them, yeah, I could tell you what's lacking. What's that? I said, you. You've been lacking for many years. One of those people who are missing in action in their own life. Yeah, you're going about life like everyone else, but oblivious to who you ought to be. And that's so many people. Oblivious to who God is calling them to be. How often you hear from people, if only God would tell me what he wants from me in my life. My answer is, I'm sorry to tell you, but if God did that, you just end up in a deeper place in hell because you don't even listen to those who are around you, let alone to listen to the voice of God. You're stubborn, proud, and self-willed. How is God going to get a gap in there? Not going to happen. Not in a million years. You don't even see or do the obvious, let alone to do that which is less obvious. It's not going to happen. God is not going to uh, uh, condemn you to a deeper place in hell if you are not even uh, willing to uh, see the obvious in your own life. And, and often those around us can see it in us, but we refuse to see it. 
and we don't want to see it. So we, we do anything we can to cover it. And, and we do like the Protestants do. We, um, we make a plan and we say, I like this plan, therefore it's God's plan because I like this plan. It's exactly the Protestant mentality. I like it, it sounds good, makes me feel good, therefore it is good. Well, no, that's not true. And that's why God sends us. That's what I'm saying. God sends us those curveballs, those unexpected, what we call tragedies in our life, the evil that we witness in our life. It's God's way of trying to get a gap in, to make us pause, reflect. And sometimes God says, sends us tragedies that we didn't expect. But for most people, they are uh, short-lived. In other words, this tragedy uh, didn't really faze them that much. God uh, uh, it says this to St. Paul. Saul, Saul, uh, it is easier for you to kick against the goad. What does that mean? In other words, uh, you're, you're trying to butt heads with God's will. You're banging your head against the wall and you're getting nowhere. You might be zealous. You might be spending a lot of time and energy in your plans, but all for nothing because it's just going to lead to a frustrated and empty life and an empty heart in the end. Unless we say like Saul, Lord, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? Ah, that's a different path. But God had to break Saul in order to make him poor. He had to strike him with blindness to show him actually in all your zeal, in all your fervor, you're actually blind. You don't really see properly, you don't really hear properly, and you don't understand. It was only then that he, through his blindness, physical blindness, could God touch his soul. And I think this is the danger for us. So much times we, we can become physically ill and we don't realise the grace that God is sending us in this illness in order for us to listen, to hear his voice. Often we, we just brush it off or look for some quick remedy. But that's not the point. The point is, God is at work in my life and God is trying to speak to me. And what is God asking of me? Three things that God will ask of us more generously in Lent. Prayer, fasting and alms deeds. Prayer, we speak to God and we hear God. Meditation, we pause and reflect. We just think about things. It doesn't have to be anything amazing. But think about my life. Where am I going? What's it all about? Why am I here? Unite myself with God. That uh, prayer, fasting. Fasting is simply this concept of detachment. Letting go. Letting go of my will. Reforming my thoughts. Reforming my words. Reforming my actions. How many people in their 30s, 40s and 50s still act, dress and speak as though they were 10 or 15? Okay, it's one thing to be 10 and dress and act in a way when you're 10 and, and everyone else will, will smile on it and, 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 and turn a blind eye because this is a little child. But when you're 30 and 40 and 50 and you still act, speak and dress in a way that is befitting a child and not an adult, it's a sign of maturity childishness and that's not acceptable perhaps we need to fast to put aside these things St Paul says when I was a child I did the things of a child it's what a child does 
But when we're adults, we have to put those things aside. We have to grow. We have to mature. We have to learn to, to, uh, learn to see things on a deeper spectrum, on a deeper level. That is going to benefit us. You know, our, our recreation that we might have done when we were 10 or 15, that's fine. But when you're 30 and 40 and you've still got the same uh, childish taste for music or recreation, again, it's a sign of a lack of any real growth, any real depth. After 30, 40 years of masses, communions, there's a problem here, a serious problem. It means that all the graces that God is trying to give to us are not reaching us. And we have to ask why. We have to pause and reflect. Why am I still attached to the things of uh, when I was 10 or 15? Why can I not let go? Why am I not willing to make that break that God is, is asking of me? Uh, St. Paul says to us in his letter to the Galatians, You did run well, but what has hindered you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion is not from he that calls you. God's got a plan for us. St. Ignatius gives the, the example of our deathbed. He says to us, think about your deathbed. What would you have chosen then in your life? All at that moment on your deathbed, the, the voices of your potential, that the talents that God wanted you to bring to life, they will come to you the ghost of the good ideas that you never acted upon, the ghost of the talents you didn't use. They are standing around your deathbed. They're going to be angry, disappointed and upset. They will come to you and ask you, why did you not bring us to life? It was St. Patrick, St. Patrick of Ireland, who says one day, you know, when he thought he was free, he, you know, he, he was, as a young boy, taken as a slave captive in Ireland. One day there was a ship came and it rescued him. Went back to his homeland, he was comfortable. But he says, one day I had a vision, I had a dream. And there I heard a voice. He said, there were a bunch of voices as one. And they said to him, Patrick, we beg of you to come back to us again. These voices, who are these voices? These are the voices of the billions of people who would not be in Catholics today had Ireland not uh, been uh, graced with the footsteps of St. Patrick. He heard the voice of those ghosts and he brought them to life, so to speak. He put into action the talents that God had gave him. And God used the tragedy, the fact that he was taken into slavery, captured by pirates. Instead of feeling sorry for himself in those years, he deepened his prayer life. He deepened his fasting. He deepened his love for the people. He learnt a new culture, a new language, which enabled him one day to go back, well equipped with the gospel, well equipped with an understanding of their paganism, of their barbarism, uh, but armed with the faith, a mortified life, a holy man. Uh, this is what God calls us to do. Yeah, tragedy is going to come, but tragedy is a gift, a gift, not a time for self-pity. Like Patrick, we must see the plan of God in it for us. What is, what is God saying to me in all these things? 
how am I going to use these talents that God has given us? Father Lean explains to us that our Divine Lord would have us rise to the concept of ourselves that we are always in the condition of being capable of being touched at any moment by Christ with this, with this splendour, in spite of the drab appearance of our lives. It is only justice to him, really, to believe that he that gives us the assurance in many ways that in spite of the work a day around the world about us, this, the world of splendor stands ready to be revealed at any moment in us. God is at work in our lives, but we have to let him work in us and through us. And that requires a surrender on our part. I simply conclude to you today, dear friends, with the beautiful words of the post-communion prayer of today's Mass, which I think sums up all that I have said to you. Vouchsafe, O Lord, we beseech thee to make us, who of your bounty frequent such great mysteries, truly disposed to profit by them. In the name of the Father and the Son. Holy Ghost. Amen.